Alaziz's first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. Welcome back to Away From Hailland. Sorry for the brief hiatus. Got a lot going on in my personal life. Was out on vacation as well. A lot going on in my real job. It's been a busy few months for me. A little bit here and there. Obviously, my presence not quite what it's been previously. But we're back. We're back with Away From Hailland. And we're back in a big way with Mika BRF. Finally. Finally being healthy. Just have to start there before I even go into talking about the amazing Arsenal victory over Liverpool this weekend. Top of the league, looking like we are flying as high as we have. But Mika Biarith, unbelievable for him to come back, come on a couple of times to kind of get his legs, get bearings, get to be accustomed to the speed of senior football, to competitive senior football, obviously flying incredibly high in the preseason, scoring in nearly every appearance couple weeks now of matches we're going to be covering this week on the episodes. Again, starting with Beareth, he came on in a 2-2 draw with Sparta Rotterdam, played the final 12 minutes, and he was great. He looks so good in possession so far in every match he had to come on in, just even when he plays a few minutes. Doesn't look rusty at all. He was 2 of 2 on successful dribbles in this game. He had one pass that he was made accurate and completed it. 3 of 3 in his ground duels. He was fouled once. He looks strong. He looks quick. You would have no idea that this is his first experience in senior football, having missed a few months out after a great preseason. Doesn't look down at all. Really excellent in this match against Sparta Rotterdam. Actually got to go up against his Hailen teammate, Omar Rekik, who for the first time in forever got some minutes in this match as well. Uh, and then the real arrival of Mika Biareth was in the final 37 minutes in Walwick's 3-2 win over Groningen scoring two goals to win the match for Walwick, and just an unbelievable all-around performance. Beerith comes on in a 1-1 match and scores within five minutes on a very, very good reaction to a ball that kind of got deflected as his team was pressing, kind of came off of a, of a foot, bounced into the box. He took his time. He didn't rush it. He let it fall to a kind position for him to strike it hard and away from the keeper. Keeper just got a fingertip to it, but it hits the back of the net, and Beareth gets his first senior goal in a competitive match for Walwick to go up 2-1. He then, Groningen, get back, make it 2-2, but that is nothing for Mika Beareth, who scores an even better second goal to give Walwick the win. Ball in over the top, hard to control, not for Mika Beareth. Takes one touch with the outside of his boot to go around the keeper on a long ball coming in, and the second touch pokes it past into an empty net. Walwick win the match 3-2, and Beareth was just great in every which way. He had two shots on target, obviously the two goals he scored. He had one off target and two block shots. He was active. He was trying to get these three points for Walwick immediately. He was quick to every single ball that came in. He was one of one on successful dribbles. 5 of 7 passing with a key pass and a big chance created that really should have been a goal. He played a lovely slide-through ball in between the defenders to a man running into the box. Player picked up the ball past the penalty spot within 6-7 yards of the net. And I kid you not, it wouldn't have gone in if the net was three times as big. His teammate skied it over the net, but easily should have been an assist. An amazing pass and just shows you what a playmaker Mika Biareth is. It is not just the goal scoring. He pops up all over the pitch. He won three duels in this match as well and a tackle. 
Uh, he's just so clearly up to the challenge of this league, both physically and technically. Obviously, an amazing first touch. Obviously, happy to roam out to the wider areas, pick up the ball there, you know, spin a defender, play back to a teammate, do whatever it takes, control with his chest. He has all of those abilities. And then the physical aspect, he's happy to pin a player. We talked about in preseason how he mentioned that he really learned how to pin players by training with the first team. Uh, and a lot of times... You see these younger players training with the first team, and it's really just to have extra bodies or whatever it is uh, for the first team when they need to, you know, play in simulations, 11v11, 7v7s, play in tight areas, play with presses, whatever it might be. But it's a great experience for the youngsters, and Mika Birith is a prime example of that. He mentioned how the first time he tried to pin Gabriel, it was like nothing he'd ever experienced before. And how the physical, you can never kind of make up for that physical difference between senior and youth football. And you can see why that's changed who he is and how he plays so clearly in this match with Groningen. He was every single time pinning a defender, every time he was winning it, every time he was controlling with his chest, you know, controlling with his feet, making space for himself, making space for his teammates. It was just really, truly unbelievable performance from him physically as a center forward. Uh, he isn't just doing that, though. He gets into the channels. He creates something dangerous by doing that. He gets himself into deeper positions, which helps him then pin a defender, right? If a defender doesn't feel they can be as aggressive because B-Reth's going to come in behind, it allows him to find more space coming back to the ball. B-Reth won a few corners. He got fouled a few times. Uh, he created chances for himself on the dribble. He created chances for his teammates. As I mentioned, he should have had an assist. He's tireless. He's absolutely tireless. Um, it's just great to see such an incredible player who's so intelligent with all these attributes. I mean, it's hard to imagine him not making it at the senior level at a high at a big club the way he plays. He doesn't just have the physical ability. He doesn't just have the intelligence. He doesn't just have the technical ability. He's not just a goal scorer. He has all of these things, and he can really play as a complete number nine who drifts to all different areas of the pitch. He's comfortable on either wing. He's comfortable in the middle. He's comfortable passing to players in front of him making runs. I could see him playing as a false nine. I could see him playing as a true out-and-out -out striker. An awesome performance from Mika Birith. So excited for him to have gotten, not only get healthy and get himself some minutes, but to have picked up right where he left off in preseason because he was on fire in preseason. He was on fire last season. His continued growth, an unbelievable pickup for Hale-N to pick him up from Fulham, to, to scout him and to make him such a key aspect of their team, the way that they developed him, you know, easing him in with Balogun, letting Balogun go out on loan to Burrow, Beareth becomes the main striker, now sending him out to a league where his skill set is so perfect for it, and, and now to see him thriving, really exciting stuff for Mika Beareth. And speaking of Balogun, he scores yet another goal. This is now six goals in League One. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable for him to hit the ground running like this. Such a different experience. Both great experiences, this and Burrow, but unbelievable. Scored a goal in a 2-2 draw with Troyes in which, again, Stade de Rem or Reims got another red card. Uh, I can't understand how he's... It's amazing that he scored this many goals considering that they've played down a man in all but three matches this year or something like that in that range. So the fact that he's scoring goals means... Well, imagine what he could do in a better side in this league. Like, he's not even getting that many chances to score. He's making a lot of chances for himself. He's making very intelligent runs. He's the main reason that Reims are not, you know, in the bottom of the league, to be completely honest. It's not just the goal scoring. He helps them as an outlet to get out from back. They're not just hoofing it upfield and then immediately having it come back towards them. Balagoon is making 
that difference for the squad. In this match, 65 minutes, 9 of 17 passing. He won two of his four ground duels. He was fouled twice. Another thing I've spoken about quite a bit, not something I really remember seeing a lot from Balagoon uh, at the youth levels. I think a lot had to do with the fact that he was so strong and so fast that players played a little further off of him. But a lot of these you know, defenders seem to think they can get close to him. And when they do, Balagoon spins them or he makes a neat dribble or whatever it is, uses his physicality, and he draws a lot of fouls. And for a team that's down a man often and a team that needs to create chances, winning those set pieces is so massive for the squad. And I think it makes such a huge difference for them. His goal was a lovely striker's goal. Finishing off a cross, he made a nice run straight in basically the middle of the box, right on the six-yard box. Gets inside of his defender, which was not easy to do. He was really strong to do it, kind of to move him aside. And he got it just off the outside of his boot, right into the you know the goal. Wasn't lucky at all. Got a nice contact on it. And it's just awesome to see him continuing to score all different types of goals. He has really scored all different types of goals this season. And as I was mentioning, his play with back-to-goals becomes so strong. Uh, he, he, he's spinning defenders, causing them to foul him. Nearly had an amazing chip assist in the second half where Balagoon kind of picked up the ball, I would say about five, six yards outside of the box, was able to turn and look at the goal with enough space between him and the defender, plays a chip ball in over two defenders' heads. He has two players making a run onto it, and both of them, both of them whiff on it. Either of them gets a touch to it. It's probably a goal. At least it would have been a key, chance, key pass and a, key, and a big chance created. Really unlucky for him not to get an assist there. But as I mentioned, six goals now this season. And then... What I think is equally as impressive is how he played in the next match. 90 minutes in a nil-nil draw with PSG, going up against the likes of Sergio Ramos uh, for the first 30 minutes before he got sent off, Marquinhos. But Balagoon was in no way, in no way, scared to play against these guys. He was all over the place. He was incredibly involved. He was physically strong, confident, trying to take Marquinhos on a few times, taking him to the byline. Didn't always work out, but the fact that he was willing to go at a world-class defender like that, one of the best defenders in the world, shows you what the goals have done for him. They've made him feel that he's able to play at this level. It wasn't something you necessarily saw a lot of Burrow last year. I think at Middlesbrough, he really, you know, it was a different type of game. He, he was really more involved in link-up. He was more involved in playing balls into kind of the wings and into the corners and then getting into the box. Uh, obviously scored a few goals um, in terms of kind of like the defenders making mistakes. But I think the fact that he has scored all different types of goals and found himself in such attacking positions has put him physically and mentally in a confident place. Uh, he was had one shot off target in this match, two blocked, as I mentioned, a successful dribble, 12 of 16 passing, three key passes. So he had three passes leading to a shot. That means he's attracting defenders. He's attracting defenders to himself and finding the right times to look for his teammates and create chances. He was 2 of 2 on long balls. He won three duels. He did really well to meet a few headers in the box, but couldn't quite steer them on target, but rising higher than Marquinhos, rising higher than Sergio Ramos, getting himself in positions to score goals, which is just as important when you're a team struggling to score goals. It's It was a, it was a great match from him, a huge reason for the nil-nil draw, keeping PSG kind of wondering if they were going to be able to keep a clean sheet. And Balagoon is just... You know, outside of obviously the stars of PSG, Balagoon has arguably been a top three player in League One this year. It's exactly what I said going into the year, not to give myself props, but this is a, the premier league for him to get a loan move to. That's a top five league. It, it, it's been wonderful to see him play so well, and I'm excited to see what's next for him. Uh, clearly, you know, all the talent and all of the 
you know, predictions of how good he is going to be and, and the worry of losing him a few years ago were, were for a reason. And, and anyone who's watched him knows that he's kind of a complete profile. And he's added to that this season. Charlie Patino getting three full 90-minute matches in over the last two weeks in which he just showed why he is such an incredible volume passer at the bare minimum, which is not such an easy thing to do, to control games, to control basically the entire buildup for your team, to dictate the play for your team, dictate which side of the pitch you're attacking on in each attack and buildup, dictate you know who's making runs where almost in a way because of the way he opens up the, his body, the way he shields the ball, the way that he takes on defenders, the way that he progresses the ball. And... You know, there was no better example than this first match. 90 minutes in center midfield uh, in a 1-0 loss to Norwich. 43 of 52 passing. Uh, completed two long balls, won three ground duels, won two aerial duels. He had four interceptions and two tackles. I've been really impressed to see his ability to read the game defensively. I think a big question mark for him and people who have watched him for a long time is how is he going to stand up to the physicality of playing in midfield? How is he going to you know, stand up to maybe the slight lack in athleticism that it appeared he could have. It's unclear to tell when you're playing at, you know, he's such a good prospect, so far ahead of his years, to see how he would adapt. And he's really done a good job at not overplaying it and, and using his length in terms of his, you know, his legs, his body, winning the ball back. Just really, really good to see him kind of dictating midfield both offensively and defensively. Uh, and obviously, the way that he picks up the ball, the way he scans the field, the way that he reads both behind him and in front of him is incredible. He, he can attract defenders into space and then find a man. There was one particular time uh, in this match where you know he was the furthest midfielder back playing out of the press. He picks the ball up just outside of his own box. He's got a player to his right and a player you know up on the wing to his left that he can use as an outlet. And he starts dribbling towards that player on the left, looking like he's going to play that way. That defender who's in midfield, who's kind of now marking two guys, comes towards Charlie Patino. It allows him to kind of reverse the ball, to keep it into midfield, to his player coming back towards him, and it's an easy pass. It's stuff like that that makes it so much easier for Blackpool to play out, to play in possession, to keep hold of the ball, to give themselves a chance to not be on the back foot the entire match. He does that so, so, so well. He knows when to play forward. He knows when to hold in possession. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned, he did really well defensively in this match. He knew when to dive in for a tackle. Oftentimes, he's not just diving in for a tackle to win the ball back, but he sees he's got two players in front of him. If he can get his foot to the ball and poke it to his teammate, then he's taken the man out of play that he's won the ball off of, and he started a counterattack just right there and then. He's an intelligent footballer, and he did that excellently in this match. He then played 90 minutes again in a nil-nil draw with Sunderland where... I was incredibly impressed with how he did on his weak foot. I think a lot of the time you see left-footed players really like to play on their left foot as much as possible. You see it with Xhaka a lot. Doesn't like to play on his right foot, and that's fine a lot of the time. But you need to have the ability in tight spaces to use both feet, and this was the best I've seen Patino do this all season. 42 of 49 passing, a key pass. Completed his one cross, 5 of 7 on long balls, 2 of 2 dribbles. Uh, he won two ground duels, he won his only aerial duel, uh, and he was just great under pressure. Uh, again, this is the best match I've seen him passing from his weak foot. Uh, it really amazes me how he glides past defenders. I know I've said this every single episode, but it looks so effortless. It, it, it reminds me of the way Ozil used to do it, where nobody thinks Ozil's the fastest player on the pitch, because he's not. But the way he uses his body, the way he you know makes these ever-so-slight 
body feints, the way he knows exactly how far to touch the ball ahead of him, to allow him to take a full stride in between each dribble, to you know make up for the fact that he's not the fastest player. And defenders don't even try and tackle the ball off of him, right? Like, oftentimes you see with a guy like Saka and Martinelli, defenders feel that they can try and put a foot in and win the ball back. With Patino, the way he shields the ball and how tall he is, and, and not he's not wide in any way, but he uses his physicality and his body in such a smart way that it's elegant. It protects the ball in such an elegant way, and he just glides past defenders. He, he takes one defender out of the game. He takes two defenders out of the game. Then all the passing lanes, with his ability, they open up, and he can kind of spray the ball wherever he wants, hence why his passing percentages are always so high. He understands the space. He scans. He sees, okay, I gotta do, I'm got i receiving the ball in the left half space around midfield. I've got a defender near the center circle coming towards me. I'm going to scan and either open up my body and play it back to my right center back and switch the ball that way, or I'm going to scan, receive the ball, and then play it up the left wing. Or I'm going to scan and do neither of those. I see that this defender is coming towards me, and I'm just going to take one touch into space forwards, and then I can play the ball wherever I want. And he makes this decision regularly when he's receiving the ball, and it's just really unbelievable to watch a player of his age do this. I know he's not in the Premier League. I know he's not playing in the top league, but the championship's not an easy league to do this in. It's very physical. It's a bunch of experienced players. There's many players in there who have played in the Premier League who are you know, fighting for their own careers, fighting for their lives. Like It's a very hard league to control the ball in and possess the ball in, and it's no problem for him. Rarely makes a mistake. Uh, he did receive a yellow card in this match for a sliding challenge. Uh, and, you know, I, I was going to mention this about his next match, but it does worry me that he goes to ground a little too much to win the ball back. I think it works at this level. I think he will struggle to do that at a top level. If you do that a lot and you're not winning the ball back, you're going to put your team in a tough position. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter who aren't not, I'm not going to say they're not that knowledgeable, but don't understand that this is not a profile of a six. He, that's not what you want him to do. He is too good of a player and too progressive to be playing as a lone six. Um, so that's, you know, it's not the end of the world, but I would like to see him not go to ground as much, use his tall frame, use his physicality, beef up a little bit to kind of stay on the back shoulder of defenders, I mean, of, uh, of attackers, and just kind of pressure them the other way. Use his body shape to, you know, force the ball and press the correct way. But he does win the ball quite a bit. In this match, unfortunately, got a yellow card for it. Um, but on to the next match. Played 90 minutes against Watford in a 3-1 win. Actually, was on the ball a lot less in this match. Uh, only 21 of 28 passing. He did have two key passes. He did complete two crosses. Did have a shot on target, which was an absolute rip from the left half space. Uh, happened to go right at the goalie, who made a nice save. Uh, but, again, great to see him kind of having those shooting boots on, willing to take a shot, kind of keep defenders honest. One of one on successful dribbles. He won seven of 12 ground duels. Uh, and was fouled three times and won three tackles. So this was, you know, a much different game for Charlie Bettino. Probably of the 90-minute matches he's played, the fewest amount of passes he's attempted and completed. Uh, he actually grew into the game quite a bit. At the beginning of the match, of his seven incompleted passes, I would say four or five of them were in the first 15 minutes. Uh, he was a little bit loose on the ball, didn't seem comfortable, uh, but then he actually he won a few challenges, you know, he won a few ground duels, he got fouled a few times, and that got him back into the match. Uh, I think it really kind of woke him up a little bit. Another thing that I haven't talked about in these other two matches, but I mentioned how many aerial duels he wants, he seems to win them really easily. Like, almost as if defenders don't even try to go up for them. Like, he finds the space so correctly and shapes his body in a way that defenders don't feel that they can win the aerial duels, which allows for him to have free headers, 
that he places quite nicely to his his own team. Always always keeps possession of them, uh, and it, it's just great to see that he's winning so many duels, both on the ground and in the air. Uh, I think again, as I mentioned, the defensive qualities that he has were always probably the biggest question mark, and that doesn't seem to be an issue. Although he did mention that I do feel he's going to ground just a little bit too often. Staying in the championship, just moving over to Rotherham, Brooke Norton Cuffey. Also played in quite a few matches here. Three matches in the last two weeks. Uh, 90 minutes at right wing back in a 2-0 loss to Wigan. His best crossing match of the season, most importantly. I know we've spoken a lot about how the crosses have looked loose. And if you've been following me now for a couple of years, you know that that's actually one of the things about his game that I thought was most refined going into his loan period last year. And he showed at Lincoln that he has that ability I actually have a new theory about this. Before we get into this match, I've been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of days, that when he plays in a five at the back, I think he finds himself a little bit wider, a little bit closer to the end line, a little bit closer to the sideline. And he doesn't find himself in that space that's a little bit, it's not in the half space, but it's a little bit more inside. It's a little bit closer to that corner of the box, which again, if you've been following me, you know I talk about that a lot with Brooke Norton Cuffey, where he likes that angle. He really likes that angle to play in the ball, low, medium, high, front, back post, wherever. I think now that he's found himself a little bit wider, found himself kind of taking on defenders more, 1v1, a lot of teams are now matching him up in in 1v1s a lot with either a left wing or a left wing back, uh, with a center back helping out, coming over, that he struggled a little bit with crossing, but he did find himself having his best crossing match against Wigan in this 2-0 loss. 15 of 23 passing, two key passes. Three completed crosses, four out of seven dribbles were successful. He won seven of 11 ground duels, two of three aerial duels, won two tackles. He did get a yellow card. Uh, He lost possession in midfield and then dragged the player down and won it back to prevent uh, a counterattack. Smart play, honestly, uh, in in a match where they could not afford to give up another goal. Um, But again, going back to the crossing, he was getting the right height and whip on the ball to find players in different areas of the box. He had two completed crosses to the back post. He had one completed cross to the front post, um, of which one of those back post crosses definitely should have been a goal uh, or at least a shot on target. Uh, Guy had a pretty open header and just basically almost completely missed it. Defensively, it's crazy. I mean, if you told me in last January before he went to Lincoln that he was going to be on loan in the championship this year and his biggest issue was going to be crossing and not defensive, I would have been shocked. Uh, His recovery speed is just too great. Nobody can get by him. He, he, he's too strong. He gets that inside shoulder every single time somebody tries to go by the wing. By the time they get near the box, he has regained position with his shoulder, just brushing up shoulder to shoulder with that extra bit of pace, and he wins the ball back easily or, you know, in a way he kind of boxes out the player, let the ball run out of bounds. Nobody can even get a cross in. He deflects every single cross, goes right back at them. It's unbelievable. He's impossible to dribble by. Um, and as I said, four successful dribbles. He was too much a handle on the wing at times, taking two men on, three men on, beating all of them. He'll go inside, cut onto his left foot, dribble on his left foot all the way inside. He will tiptoe on the sideline. There was one amazing one where he was all the way on the sideline, his heels out of bounds, and he goes meg one guy, left foot around the other guy, picks up the ball, looks like he's lost it, and he's gone. And he, he puts himself in place to make a great cross in. Just un. Believable, truly unbelievable physical talent and technical talent. I, I just, I can't wait to watch him play for Arsenal. I, I mean, I think Ben White's been amazing. I, I don't even think it'll be easy for Brooknor and Cuffey to get into the side, but I think he is such an incredible, incredible prospect physically. 
I just hope to watch him play at Arsenal. You don't get to see guys like that so often. They're a rare, rare breed. And putting him next to somebody like Saliba would just be an unbelievable thing to watch for the next five or six years. I really hope we get to see it. In the next match with Millwall, another really, really nice match here for Brook Doran Cuffey. 89 minutes uh, in a 1-1 draw. Came off a little early with what looked like a slight injury. I think he's just played a lot of matches. Uh, and so I think, you know, it was just time to take him off. 17-25 to 25 passing. One key pass, a successful dribble. Four ground duels won. Uh, only one of six aerial duels. We've talked about that a little bit where I think he's a little bit shy to go into aerial duels sometimes. I think he's worried about getting beaten long, which I'm okay with. He doesn't have to win every aerial duel. He's not going to get pinned. He's playing, especially as a right wing back, it's okay. Uh, he did win three tackles in this match. Again, you still can't dribble by him no matter what happens. Uh, his back post crossing, much better than his front post crossing, front post crossing which again surprises me. Uh, I think he's going to find his groove eventually. Uh, something he obviously needs to work on quite a bit. Uh, and again, his recovery speed. It's just so immense. I mean, in this match, it was just a clinic of how to recover and how to prevent crosses from getting into your box, how to prevent opportunities coming from that wing, shuts down that wing the entire match. Uh, then he played in this last match over the last two weeks. He played 70 minutes at right wing back in a 3-0 loss to Blackburn. Again, he's played a lot of matches. Looked a little bit more tired in this match. I think that's why he came off early. Uh, 10 of 13 passing. He completed his only cross. Uh, one successful dribble. Won two of four ground duels. In this match... He really had, as we've spoken about so many times, that left foot inside pass working. Of his 10 completed passes, I counted 7 with his left foot. And that is not something to be talking lightly about. I mean, even Ben White. Again, I am I love Ben White. I think he's been amazing. But as amazing as he's been, how many times can you recount him using his left foot to make a pass into Partey? I can't think of many off the top of my head. That's such an unbelievable ability to have. You can find your 6. You can find you know, the equivalent of Odegaard, your 8, on that inside foot. And then it opens up so many opportunities to use your right foot and play balls into the channel, to play balls long, to play switches across the field. It's just an unbelievable thing. And again, I know I've said it already 18 times, but you cannot get around him. You can't. Nobody gets around him. He's just, he's incredible. Apparently, I took the worst two weeks to have a vacation because everyone was playing so many matches, including Tyrese John-Jules, another player with a busy two weeks, playing three times, and I just can't say enough. I do feel like I get repetitive, and I do apologize but uh, Tyrese John-Jules has been one of my favorite prospects for a very long time. I mean, I, since he was 15, 16 years old. I mean, five, six years, 2015, 2016, I remember watching him being like, there's no way this kid doesn't make it at Arsenal. Like, he is just the prototype Wenger center forward at a time when Arsene Wenger was still our ma manager. And I'm just so happy to see him healthy and playing and happy and thriving and being aggressive and learning his positioning I mean, again, I think it'll be tough at this point for him to make it at Arsenal just because there's so many center-forward prospects that we have, and his development has just been, you know, slowed down a little bit. But I, I have to say I'm just so happy to see him getting all this opportunity. He has not gotten injured yet. He's been in the squad for every match, starting for many of them, on a team that's thriving in League One in first place. I, I just, I, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I'm truly so happy for him. Uh, he played 73 minutes at striker. His first match getting to start at striker, not as a left forward or a right forward in that supporting role, a true out-and-out -out striker in a 3-2 win. And those shots I've been asking for, those chances for him to, to look to shoot, even in areas where he's not necessarily going to score, it happened. He had four shots in this match, two block, uh, off target, two were blocked. He had a successful dribble, but he didn't forget his roots. He didn't forget that 
He's a true number nine. He can play with his back to goal. He gets his teammates involved. He pops up in wide areas. He pops up in midfield, and he did that here. Nine of 12 passing. He had two key passes. He won four ground duels and two tackles. A complete center forward display in a convincing 3-2 win from Ipswich. And hopefully the beginning of more opportunities to play as a striker because I think with his skill set, that's where he can be at his best. He's so smart that he can play out on the wing. They can put him in that supporting role. He has the technical ability to kind of drop into midfield more often, uh, to cross the ball in from wide areas, and, and even to be a goal threat from out there. But he is truly a center forward. Uh, he then played 23 minutes as a left forward again in that more supporting role in a 3-0 win over Cambridge. He came on and scored the winner within five minutes, which you love to see. Love to see John Jules getting goals. He was the first to react to a cross. Uh, hit a defender on the way through, kind of bounced across the middle of the box, and he just poked it home. He was in the right place at the right time. Again, a true striker's goal here um, to find himself on the back post, unmarked. He did really well in this match to occupy all sorts of areas, center and wide. Nearly scored a second off another deflected cross uh, that ended up getting blocked. Uh, but he then had a deflected shot uh, coming in off the left wing, moving on to his right foot, hard shot, went off a defender, bounced to his teammate all the way again on the other side of the goal, who then poked it home. Uh, so great match from him, a real reason for Ipswich to win this match, scoring the winner and playing a part in the next goal. Uh, then earning himself a start again, 76 minutes in kind of that supporting striker role in a 2-1 win over Morikam. Uh 19 of 22 passing, a key pass, three ground duels won, and was fouled twice. You know, it's, he's, a, he's a vital player. He's not going to start every match because in League One, you play so many matches so fast, especially with this condensed schedule, you know, still recovering from COVID, World Cup, everything going on. Obviously, the Queen's death making things even more condensed again. Uh, but, you know, he's getting so many opportunities. I'm so happy for him. He's scoring. He's creating. He's strong in winning tackles and winning ground duels. He's being aggressive. He's happy to be playing. It's so clear to see, and, and we're all happy for him. We are now going to leave England for a brief moment to join our two fellas over in La Liga 2. Miguel Aziz has hit the ground running. There is no question about that. He looks so comfortable in midfield, impossible to press, passing so well with both feet, aggressive, reading the game well. Everything that Miguel Aziz does so well, he's doing here, which is nice to see after a weird spell at Portsmouth where he was playing in the completely wrong position in a fucked up system. You know, I, I I hate to curse, but that really pissed me off last year. Uh, that was a huge year for Miguel Aziz. I think if he had been in the right place and gotten the right opportunity, he could have made that jump to the first team this year. Uh, you know, obviously, Jaka having to play every match at left center mid, it would have been nice to have Miguel Aziz as an option. I don't think it was Arsenal's fault. I think it was just a tough situation. Uh, but back to his performances, you know, what's more important here. Came on in a 3-2 win over Lugo, playing 32 minutes. 11 of 11 passing, one a ground rule, two interceptions, and a tackle. Just a strong performance to help Ibiza see out a victory. He's very, very comfortable no matter how many defenders are around him, no matter how high pressure the situation is in midfield, playing out from a press. He's watching the play happen in front of him and choosing his spots to go to ground and intercept the ball, to attack a player as he was receiving the ball, to prevent him from being able to play forward. Things that don't show up in the stat sheet, Miguel Aziz is doing those things correctly. And when you play as an eight and you play as a left center midfielder, either in a double pivot uh, where he's kind of playing box to box or when they play as a flat three and he's playing more forward, he's doing all the right things. Uh, and it's really, really nice to see him do that and become, you know, he's he's a volume passer 
who's athletic and happy to get forward. You know, he's not a volume passer in the way Patino and Jaka are, where he's going to control the entire match for his team. He will at times can dictate the play. He can spray the ball, long balls with either foot, you know, play a ball into the channel, play a ball into a center forward. But he also can pop up in those more attacking areas and release a shot. Uh, which he did do in this next match, playing 90 minutes in a double pivot, in a nil-nil draw with Las Palmas. Las Palmas, a team that, you know, kind of is a yo-yo club in La Liga going up and down. They have some serious players. 28 of 32 passing. He completed five of his six long balls. As I mentioned, he had a shot on target, which was an absolute bullet. Like, you know, Aziz, you've, everyone has seen his goals from outside the box. They come in every fashion. Finesse, top corner with curlers, hard shots, low the guy can score with either foot. He's unbelievable. A great, great rip in this match. He won four of his seven ground duels. He was fouled twice. He had five clearances, kind of snuffing out the danger, being in the right spots in the box defensively to help keep a clean sheet, an interception, and two tackles. You know, as I mentioned, he looks really comfortable switching the field when he sees the opportunity. He receives the ball. He never rushes a pass. He looks to see where the best option is. You know, they play with two wingbacks who are very, very wide. Uh, and he looks to find those guys as a way of, of getting the team going forward. Uh, he never seems in a hurry, always finding his man. Knows how to wait a lofted ball just perfectly right to a, a, a teammate's foot. The passing is just, in a team that doesn't control games, to only have four incomplete passes and, and to really help keep possession is so crucial. And, you know, as I said, he had a hard shot that was ripped at goal. But Miguel Aziz has been really up to the challenge, has taken no time to translate his game into this league. And it's very exciting to watch him play. This is a huge, huge year for him uh, to prove why he's ready to take that step into Arsenal's first team at a time when, again, going to be looking to bolster the midfield. Obviously, Patino's going to come back, hopefully be in, go right into the first-team squad. You know, it would be nice to not have to spend big money on another midfielder. If Miguel Aziz could step into that role, we can probably bring in another marquee attacker and a left center back and, you know, call it a day there and spend big money in those two positions. Um, staying in that league, Marcelo Flores having a little bit of a tougher time now. I, I, I'm a little confused by this because he started well, and then they kind of moved him to the bench. They brought in a late siding in that same attacking midfield supporting striker role that is, uh, Flores was playing so well in. In you know, in a match with Cartagena, uh, he played at left midfield, kind of a little bit wider than he likes to play. Uh, played the first 45 minutes in a 3-1 loss. 17-20 passing, a key pass, a shot off target. Those stats sound a little better than this match was for him. Probably one of the worst cameos I've seen him have in the last 18 months. He just tried to force the issue a little too much early on. I think he was trying to make his imprint show why he should be in the side. And then he got a little discouraged. It looked like he wasn't attacking. He wasn't being aggressive. Um, he had the ball fall really kindly to him in the box. Couldn't get a shot on target when he really should have. I, I think he's discouraged by not getting called up to the Mexican senior squad in the most recent international break. Looks like the World Cup's very low percentage chance for him at this point. Uh, hopefully he can get it, you know, the confidence back. He's on the bench. He was on the bench for a 1-1 draw with Zaragoza, not coming into the match. So, you know, these things happen. Young players are not, not everything always goes your way. We see it with all sorts of young players. Uh, you know, Flores is just going to have to take his chances when he gets them and find his way back into the squad. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully that'll happen soon for him. In good news, the Tim Akinola curse may just be over. It's been a long road. We all know what happened last season. We all know what's happened so far this season. He played the final 18 minutes against Maidenhead in a 2-1 loss. He was in on the bench for the 3-2 loss to Dagenham and Redbridge. So it looked like the curse was going to continue. However, 
Tim Akinola played the full 90 minutes in a double pivot in a 2-1 loss to Islay, and he won man of the match. They did lose, but he was supreme. His pace and his aggression, it allowed him to dominate the midfield in this league. He did well taking on a man on multiple times in this game, driving past them. The technical ability wasn't perfect, but because he's so strong and so aggressive and has that little burst of pace, he was able to weave his way by a few midfielders and a few defenders to help spur attacks for his team. He won many, many duels in midfield, winning the ball back high up the pitch, winning the ball back in his own third, winning the ball back in important areas, and hopefully... Hopefully the curse is broken and he's earned himself a starting role because he's been immense every time he's been on the pitch. They may be trying to preserve him at times because he's had injury woes, but Tim Akinola looks the most comfortable I've seen him at the senior level in this match. Speaking of returns, Harry Clark made his return from injury after two months out with that shin issue. He played 13 minutes in a 4-0 loss to Watford. One tackle, dribble pass once, one out of three ground duels, looked a little slow, looked a little off of it. Some time away will do that. He then played 18 minutes in a 1-1 draw with Burnley, this time playing on the other side of the pitch at left wing back, which we saw him do for Hibbs a little bit last season, and he scored a goal. He comes in, scores a goal, the winning, I'm sorry, the drawing goal, a crucial goal for Stoke City. He won three of three ground duels. He won both of his aerial duels. He was fouled twice, and he had a successful dribble. Harry Clark got back to the speed of the game. We've seen him on that left side get more into the box. He seems more comfortable to get into the box from that side. Maybe it's because the ball comes to his right foot. This goal he scored was a lovely, lovely header, powering it past the keeper and then doing the Ronaldo celebration to boot. Really good to see him back and thriving on the pitch. A player I would hope would make his way back into the starting lineup. He did not after this match, playing just the final eight minutes in a 3-1 win over Sheffield United. But he did win an aerial duel. He had an interception. Passing has been loose, though, since he's been back. He just looks a little bit slow to the game. We'll now go over and look at our three goalkeepers on loan in the fourth and fifth divisions. Tom Smith now has made that goalie spot his own for Bromley, playing in three matches over the last two weeks. First, a 2-2 draw with Solohol Moores. Long ball distribution looked really good here. Uh, led to some really nice attacking opportunities. He made a nice save on a shot from distance that he didn't see really until the last second. It went through nearly 11, 12 guys on his way through. And another one that went through a bunch of people that he did really well to get down to on a low hard shot towards the corner. The first goal he gave up, really nothing he could do about. This team loved to shoot from distance. Player got onto his left foot in way too much space, curled it into the top corner, no chance to make a save. But that second goal in stoppage time to end this match in a draw was completely his fault. Getting pinned on a corner into his own net. Easy header in. Unable to make any attempt at a save. Brutal for Tom Smith. But he'll learn. He'll learn about positioning on corners. He'll learn about how to better defend his six-yard box. But he didn't do such a good job in the 2-0 win over Borum Wood. Where he had a couple times the ball came into his six-yard box. And he was just too cautious. It didn't lead to any goals. But he's not coming out and making that claim. He's not coming out and commanding his box. He's not coming out and preventing attackers from feeling like they have free space there. And he needs to do that. Uh, but his long distribution was really good in this match. Again, uh, finding his players in, in attacking areas and, and really kind of creating uh, from that goalie position. Uh, and then in the 1-1 draw with Gateshead, uh, there's not much he could do about the goal. It was a cross and a first-time shot uh, parked into the far post into the corner. Nothing Tom Smith could do. He's been real solid. He's been better for Bromley than they had been previously. He just needs to work on commanding that six-yard box in front of him. 
going up a level. Arthur Unconquo obviously has had his struggles this year. Uh, he played well in a nil-nil draw with Carlisle United, making three saves, one coming inside the box. Pretty well in distribution, completing seven long balls, uh, 27 of 38 passing overall. Then a 1-1 draw with Gillingham. He made one save, one punch. Uh, again, completed five long balls, 21 of 28 passing overall. Made a really nice save from a free kick, getting all the way across his goal, outstretched arms, pushing it away and not allowing for an easy rebounded goal. Uh, the goal he gave up was a bit of a strange one, not really his own fault. Uh, it was off a corner kick, and then the ball kind of got half cleared, and his defender just stayed on the line. So some guy was able to just stand right in front of Okonkwo, and he could do nothing uh, about a goal just kind of creeping by him because there was literally an attacker standing right in front of him. Uh, really kind of an odd goal, something you don't see very often, uh, especially in the upper leagues. Ovia Jahiri has been the best of the three, and there's no question about it. He has been awesome for Chelmsford. Uh, he was on the bench for the FA Cup match uh, with Ramaford FC in a 2-0 win. Hasn't been playing in Cup games. Uh, if they make a bigger run into the FA Cup where they're playing uh, league sides, you would imagine Ejahiri might come in because he's been so great. And he started against Chestnut in a huge win for them, in a 5-0 win, and he made another penalty save. That's his third penalty save this season. He had an amazing first half with three saves. He had this save to end the half on the penalty, diving to his right, getting a strong hand to a goal that was going into the corner, an excellent penalty save from Ejahiri. Five saves overall in this match, three great ones, man of the match performance, made a few nice high claims as well. Ejahiri has been just excellent. Uh, I, I really have, it's been great to see him doing so well. Goalie's not always, you know, a lot to do great out on loan, different environment, different buildups, different setups, different things being taught to them by different goalkeeping coaches, but Ejahiri has been great. One of their best players all season. Uh, the last few guys we've got here, many who have not been featuring. Um, Azita Gungbo has not featured since his red card. Uh, Omar Rekik, as we know, has had a really tough time. Uh, he actually come on, came on in both of these two matches over two weeks, playing the final 11 minutes in that 2-2 draw with Walwick, as I mentioned, playing against his teammate Mika Beareth. He only got on the ball once in this match, completing one pass, uh, and then he literally came on for the last 15 seconds in a 3-1 win over Emin. Again, we think a recall is likely in January. He'll go to the World Cup, hopefully with Tunisia, uh, and maybe get some playing time, and then come back and maybe go on a different loan spell. Ryan Alabioso, who's been out with a small injury, came on in the final minutes against Hart of Midlothian uh, after a short spell out. Will probably regain his starting spot, I would assume. Then Alex, Alex Kirk had a small injury as well, returned to the bench after missing some time uh, as Ire United lost 1-0 to Inverness. Then he returned to the starting lineup, and no surprise, Ire United win 5-0. They have not lost when he has been in the 11. He is a crucial, crucial player for them. Uh, and this loan spell, which started off a little bit awkwardly, has seemed to really turn around for Alex Kirk. Uh, you know, it was a bit surprising when it happened, and we can see maybe why he went here. Uh, he's really seemed to do well. He's a no-nonsense offender, uh, happy to make a clearance, uh, hopefully getting better on the ball. Uh, Salah Adin Ulad M. Han still has not featured for Hull City. You know, that buy clause, that option to buy clause, probably not going to be expressed unless he can get on the pitch. A little bit of an odd one. He made this transfer and hasn't, you know, hasn't appeared yet with a hamstring injury. We'll see what happens there. Nikolai Moller has now returned to the bench uh, for the 2-1 win over Willem II. Uh, it's that same foot injury he's been dealing with. Feel bad for him. I hope he'll be back in that starting 11 soon. He's been good the few times he's come on as a sub, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and get in the 11. Again, a lot happened in the last two weeks. A poor time for me to be on vacation. Uh, but hopefully everyone made it through all of that. A lot of good news coming. Amika Beareth obviously flying. Fuller and Balagoon flying. Uh, Charlie Patino just 
I mean, the experience, you can't say enough about it. We know he has this contract with a two-year extension clause that Arsenal need to agree to with him in the coming weeks. Guaranteed that will happen. There will be clubs from far and wide looking to sign him. But Charlie Patino, made in Hale End, will stay in Hale End, I am sure about it. Uh, and it's just been great. Uh, obviously, Arsenal beating Liverpool, amazing, amazing performance from everybody. Just, you got to love to see it. Uh, and look out, I will be doing a little bit of work for some other people on some Hell End products uh, for Football Manager, uh, which should be a fun project. That'll be coming out in the next week or so. I will keep you guys posted. Sorry for the quietness. Going to be back. Going to be contributing more. It's been a really crazy few months for me, uh, but happy to continue to be doing this. And, you know, share it with everyone. Share this podcast with everyone. Always looking for, for new people, uh, you know, to be listening and to be contributing. I'm getting a lot of fun DMs from people asking me questions. Always happy to answer. Uh, and this was another episode of Away From Hell End, and we will be back next week. <laughs>